0: for the last couple weeks the west african nation of niger has been in the news a lot on july 26th 2023 Nigerian President Mohamed Bazoum was ousted in a coup d'etat led by military general Abdurrahman Chiani. Chiani, a staunch supporter of Russia and opponent of the Western world, took issue with Bazoum's strong political ties to the United States and France, as well as the unsatisfactory security situation due to the presence of Islamic extremist groups such as Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and Boko Haram. It has been speculated that the junta seeks to authorize the Wagner Group, a Russian-affiliated private military corporation, to enter the country in order to fight against these jihadist groups. In response to the coup, the Economic Community of West African States, or ECOWAS, has put pressure on the new military junta to return the previous government to power, going so far as to threaten military intervention in Niger. Bazoum and his family remain detained in the presidential palace of Niger, and the junta has threatened to kill Bazoum if ECOWAS invades. Other anti-Western military leaders in West Africa, such as Ibrahim Traore in Burkina Faso, Asimi Goita in Mali, and Mamadi Dumbuya in Guinea, have pledged their support to the Chiani government in Niger. In addition to exacerbating geopolitical tensions between the pro-Western bloc and pro-Russian bloc, the coup in Niger has created the potential for a serious humanitarian crisis. International sanctions are already being put on Niger due to the coup, and the junta has closed the country's airspace, preventing food, medicine, and other necessities for survival from being brought into the country. Interestingly, Niger, Burkina Faso, Mali, and Guinea have all previously been part of ECOWAS, but they were suspended after their respective coup d'etats. In addition to being a political and military alliance, ECOWAS also has a Community Court of Justice, which hears cases on human rights in its member states. One such case pertained to a severe violation of human rights within Niger. Contrary to popular belief, the practice of slavery is not a relic of history, but is instead alive and well today. In fact, it is believed that there are more people enslaved today than there ever have been before in history, with the International Labor Organization putting that figure at over 40 million people. For Americans, the term slavery harkens back to the days of African American chattel slavery in the antebellum South. But at least legally, slavery is thankfully banned in every country in the world. Mauritania became the final country in the world to abolish chattel slavery in 2007, but this did not bring an end to slavery. Unregulated slavery still exists in many capacities, most notably labor trafficking and sex trafficking. Victims of labor trafficking are often forced to work in agriculture, fishing, or domestic work with migrant workers in the Gulf countries like Qatar and the UAE often working long hours in construction. Individuals experiencing sex trafficking are regularly forced into either prostitution or pornography, with women often being sold as brides. Some street children being trafficked are forced to beg for money on behalf of those trafficking them while children in war zones are often forced to be child soldiers. Modern-day slavery isn't exclusive to the developing world. An estimated 50,000 people are trafficked every year in the United States. Many of these people are either undocumented immigrants forced to work in agriculture for little to no payment, or children who are kidnapped and sex trafficked. Several U.S. states also practice unpaid prison labor, punishing inmates who refuse to work with solitary confinement or revocation of family visits. In terms of sheer number of people trafficked, the countries where modern slavery is most common are India, China, and Pakistan. West Africa is also a hotspot for human trafficking, hence why Mauritania continues to struggle with slavery even after its recent abolition of the practice. Proportionally, Niger is one of the worst countries in the world for modern slavery, with an estimated 800,000 people or 8% of the population being slaves. But the actions of a young woman who suffered under the practice of slavery would save many others from the same nightmare. I'm going to tell you all about it, right now, on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 95th episode of this podcast, and I'm excited for you to listen to it. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara, Cameron Sherman, Scott Sherman, David Kahn, Lisa Chase, and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Spotify for Podcasters. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Spotify for Podcasters. Slavery in Niger likely began in the Middle Ages, following the Arab-Muslim conquest of North Africa under the Umayyad Caliphate. Due to the high demand for labor in the Arabian Peninsula, many agents of the Caliphate began venturing into the Sahel region of Africa, which includes present-day Niger, in search of people to enslave. Race was a major factor in these slave raids, with only individuals living in sub-Saharan Africa being considered black, as opposed to the lighter-skinned peoples of North Africa. The Bornu Empire, which ruled over Niger, embraced the practice of slavery, carrying out its own slave raids on behalf of Bornu royalty and to trade with the Arab Caliphate. When France colonized much of West Africa, including Niger, in the early 20th century, French authorities proclaimed that slavery was to be outlawed in West Africa. However, the abolition of slavery largely went unenforced in Niger, as French colonial authorities faced fierce resistance on the issue from local chiefs. Consequently, slavery has continued in some capacity ever since, with the practice consisting of three primary forms in Niger. The first type is traditional chattel slavery, which has thankfully become extremely rare for legal reasons. The second type is a form of sharecropping where former slaves and their descendants are indefinitely required to surrender a portion of their crops and assets to their former owners and their descendants. The third type, and the one that matters the most for this episode, is called wahaya. Wahaya, which is exclusively practiced by the Tuareg and Hausa ethnic groups, is the practice of selling young Tuareg girls to wealthy Hausa elites to serve as domestic servants and sex slaves. Girls forced into wahaya are often referred to as fifth wives, as prior to Niger's 2003 criminalization of slavery, a man was allowed to take an enslaved concubine in addition to the four wives he can have according to Islamic law. Even after Niger made the practice illegal, it was well established that the Nigerian government didn't do enough to tackle the issue. Khadijah Tu Mani, a Tuareg girl from the Tahua region of Niger, spent most of her early life experiencing the practice of Wahaya. Born in 1984, Mani was first sold into slavery by her impoverished family in 1996 for the equivalent of $400. The 12-year-old Mani was bought by El Haj Suleiman Narua, a 46-year-old tribal chief, and taken as a so-called fifth wife. For over nine years, Mani was sexually abused by Narua, giving birth to four of his children, two of whom died during childbirth. She was also reportedly beaten when she refused to do domestic chores and agricultural labor. When Niger's government finally abolished slavery in 2003, the Nigerian anti-slavery NGO Timidria got into contact with Mani, informing her and Narua that slavery was illegal. In 2005, Narua begrudgingly signed a certificate manumitting Mani, then 21 years old. However, Narua refused to let Mani leave his custody, claiming that she was now his wife. In turn, Mani ran away from Narua's home and, with the assistance of Timidria, filed a lawsuit in the hopes of affirming that she was not married to her former captor. The civil and customary law tribunal of Koni delivered a judgment that Mani was indeed free from the marriage and therefore from Narua's oversight, noting that there was never a formal religious ceremony marrying the two. But when Narua appealed this decision, the court of first instance in Koni struck down the lower court ruling claiming that the lengthy cohabitation between Narua and Mani was akin to marriage. Mani was returned to Narua's home, but she ran away again soon afterwards. After running away from her former captor, Hadija Tumani married another man in 2007. Upon learning about this, el Haj Suleiman Narua pressed criminal charges against Mani for bigamy, insisting that he was still married to her. Although men are allowed to have multiple wives in Niger, a woman taking multiple husbands is a criminal offense. Mani, her husband, and her brother who had acted as a witness for the marriage were all arrested and charged with bigamy. On May 2, 2007, all three were found guilty and sentenced to six months in prison with a fine equivalent to $100. While incarcerated, Mani filed a criminal complaint against Narua for having enslaved her while simultaneously challenging her conviction for bigamy claiming that she had never been married to Narua. Of course, she also knew that her past experiences in the court system of Niger had not ended particularly well. Manid therefore decided to go one step further, filing a suit in the ECOWAS Community Court of Justice against the government of Niger, alleging that the country was in violation of the African Charter on Human and People's Rights by not doing enough to enforce anti-slavery laws. When the case went to ECOWAS in December of 2007, the government of Niger argued that it was sufficiently enforcing anti slavery laws, falsely claiming that slavery in the country was nearly non existent. Additionally, the Nigerian government claimed that ECOWAS didn't even have the jurisdiction to rule on the issue, which they believe should instead be resolved within the court system of Niger. October 27, 2008, the ECOWAS Community Court of Justice ruled in favor of Khadija Toumani, deciding that the government of Niger had failed to protect her human right to be free from slavery. On the question of whether ECOWAS could even rule on slavery in Niger, the court found that international legal bodies were well within their authority to regulate the issue of forced labor, noting that the Nuremberg trials saw the prosecution of Nazi officials complicit in the use of prisoners as slave labor during the Holocaust. On whether or not the Nigerian government had devoted enough resources to fighting slavery, ECOWAS definitively rejected that claim, stating that, for an issue as grave as slavery, the burden of preventing it must be, quote, imposed on all the state's organs. The court awarded Mani the equivalent of over $21,000 in damages and legal costs, all of which were to be paid by the government of Niger. Mani became an international hero for the modern anti-slavery movement. In 2009, she was awarded the U.S. Secretary of State's International Women of Courage Award and was named as one of the Time 100 Most Influential People in the World. Mani's story was featured in the 2010 documentary, A Tale of Modern Slavery, produced by the Princeton, New Jersey-based Films Media Group. Since her liberation, Mani has worked with Timidria, the anti-slavery NGO that has saved her from slavery. She has personally been involved in numerous cases involving slavery, including one that resulted in a woman being freed and her captor being criminally convicted and sentenced to four years in prison. The ECOWAS decision in Mani versus Niger marked the first time that an international legal organization ruled on the issue of slavery in Africa. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I certainly enjoyed learning about it myself. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com historiaobscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to spotify.com podcasters. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.